0: Hello, my name is Lauren Linkowski, and I am a fourth year medical student at the University of South Florida in Tampa, Florida. Welcome to the Learn Oncology podcast series. This podcast series is produced alongside Dr. Paris Ann Ingledew, a radiation oncologist at BC Cancer Agency. The goal of this podcast is to familiarize listeners with pertinent topics and core concepts in oncology. As part of this podcast series, we are collaborating with ROCSIG, the Radiation Oncology Education Study Collaborative Group, for a sub-series called Cancer Careers. We are hopeful that this series will help our listeners understand the life of an oncologist better. This series will explore paths to different specialties and niches within oncology in a casual setting. You may find that it inspires you to pursue oncology as a career or even just expand your knowledge of cancer career. We hope that you find this episode helpful. Today, We have Dr. Austin Sim, a radiation oncologist just about to start at The Ohio State University and specializing in GI malignancies. Dr. Sim earned both his medical degree and law degree from the University of Virginia in 2017. He went on to complete his residency in radiation oncology at Moffitt Cancer Center at the University of South Florida, just under two months ago, where he served as chief resident. During residency, he also served as chair of the National Association of Residents in Radiation Oncology. Welcome, Dr. Sim, and thank you so much for being here today.
1: Oh, no, thank you so much for having me.
0: So we like to start with an icebreaker. If you could tell us about a hobby that you had during um, residency that you were able to keep up with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, one of the things that uh, I started, uh, you know, kind of halfway through undergrad was um, getting really into mixing drinks and cocktails. Um, so did a lot of reading about it um and you know uh ended up um really you know kind of devoting myself to to making a ton of cocktails also i think that's really the best way um and then so in med school and law school i actually ended up teaching classes uh to students Uh, i'd run them you know maybe every couple of months or so um luckily i was able to do that um when i started in residency i had uh, most of my alcohol shipped down but unfortunately covid kind of broke out in the middle of it and so i was only able to run Uh, one or two of them, Um, but what we did do, which was really fun, uh, the uh, interview season right before COVID, we actually had uh, a a change up in the way we did our interview dinners uh, for residency, and instead of doing the typical kind of setup, um, you know, at a restaurant uh, where everyone's kind of stuck in the same place, we did more of a cocktail hour uh, where we catered food. We were up, you know, in like a a penthouse apartment uh, area, um, and I actually... Um, uh, put together a menu and was, as you know, attending bar for most of the night, which was a ton of fun. Um, unfortunately, with COVID, we weren't, weren't able to do that uh, exactly. And so what we did was we ended up putting in uh, some cocktail ingredients in our gift boxes that we sent out to the interviewees. Um, and I actually did a, a quick class over Zoom as part of the pre-interview activities as well.
0: Oh, that's so fun. That's such a good way to get to know uh applicants especially.
1: We had a ton of fun um putting it together. And I think, you know, it's a little extra activity you get to do instead of just, you know, just kind of sitting and, you know, talking to, you know, faces on a screen.
0: All right. So, second question we have for you is about the importance of mentorship in radiation oncology. So, you and I met back during my first year of medical school and you've really served as a mentor to me ever since. Can you talk a little bit more about mentorship and the importance that you've seen it playing in radiation oncology.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's critically necessary, uh, but not a sufficient element in any career really, Uh, not just uh, radiation oncology. Um, I think that it goes hand in hand with a couple of other critical elements, uh, including coaching and sponsorship. Uh, Mentors really, their role is to provide advice and guidance uh, to help mentees optimize their own careers. Um, However, this advice is not really that useful in a vacuum. Um, you know, you would need some coaching to provide constructive criticism and help um, you know, kind of um, coaches along, as well as sponsorship uh, to provide opportunities in which sponsees can grow um, and, uh, you know, putting your own political capital out there to kind of help, um, you know, your mentees up. So much like patient care and oncology, no one is an island um, and no one can do it all alone. And so mentors are really essential to help support uh, and nurture people to, you know, kind of really jumpstart their careers. And of course, as one of my best mentors, uh, Dr. Sarah Hoff at Moffitt would say, one mentor is almost never enough uh, to meet all of your mentees' needs. And each person should look to create their own, quote unquote, mem- mentorship board of directors.
0: So when you think about your mentorship board of directors, were you did you find yourself having only people in radiation oncology or did you expand to the other uh, fields of oncology as well?
1: So I would say in training, um, uh, the majority of it was within radiation oncology, but I would say it wasn't limited to my own institution. Um, I looked to, um, people in other institutions to help. Um, and, you know, there are different, um, types of mentoring relationships for different periods of time. Um, and so, you know, you might meet and help through for one of a project, or you might have a more longitudinal relationship. Um, but, you know, kind of going through and, and, um, being able to to work at different institutions as well has been very helpful um, from that perspective.
0: How do you feel like the leadership in the field of radiation oncology is prioritizing mentorship?
1: Yeah, so I think this is great. There's a lot of renewed interest in mentorship and um, actually formally looking into it and formally creating programs um, kind of throughout medicine, uh, but especially in radiation oncology. Um, so there's a ton of different formal programs and informal opportunities um, that really have cropped up really anywhere that you look. And The most prominent right now probably would be through professional societies. Um, so ASTRO has a mentor match program, ACRA has mentorship programs as well, both of which are longitudinal programs. Um, the number of other, really any professional society uh, that you would be able to join has some sort of early career trainee or student kind of mentorship uh, program from that standpoint. Additionally, um, there's also opportunities at meetings. Uh, So ASCO has a pretty vibrant uh, training early career member lounge at their annual meeting uh, where you can go schedule time to meet with mentors um, and and things like that as well. Of course, uh, various training programs and institutions also have their own mentorship programs, either formal or informal. Um, And I think a lot of residency programs um, have instituted uh, various programs to make sure that you know, uh, trainees are getting the mentorship that they need to kind of succeed. Um, additionally, there are a ton of webinars uh, that have cropped up as well. Uh, the Radium Society uh, kind of Rocket Task Force um, has done a great job of putting together a number of webinars, uh, more for trainees than for students, um, but another great resource. Um, the Radio Social Society also has a great webinar series. Um, so there's a ton of those kinds of resources as well. And then, of course, there are other groups. Um, that cater to specific interests. Um, So uh, the AERO Equity and Inclusion Subcommittee has a fantastic mentorship program um, that just wrapped up their first kind of round and they're actually looking for more mentors as well. Um, So um, really great support in terms of the equity and inclusion space from that standpoint. Of course, I also can't resist uh, putting in a plug that I'm personally involved with, um, currently being led by uh, Anu Sarath out of um, the Harvard Radiation Oncology Program. Um, So this is a multi-institutional pilot um, seeking to formally teach residents to become better mentors. Uh, We currently have it open in a few institutions, including um, my former institution, Moffitt. Um, And, you know, we're really looking to uh, really formalize and really teach people how to become better mentors. Um, As we've identified the importance and the fact that being a good mentor is something that is teachable and learnable, uh, we're moving towards more deliberate incorporation in the various curricula. So hopefully with more programs like this, you know, we can make it more robust um, kind of throughout.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's a great resource, especially for medical students. Are there opportunities for mentorship if you don't have a home institution or outside of your home institution that you're aware of that students can take advantage of?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think some of the programs that I mentioned before are, you know, kind of more national programs um, should definitely be accessible. Um, to students without home programs, and you can always reach out. Uh, the other thing that I've always found is that people in radiation oncology are very friendly and very approachable, and they're almost always welcoming to people who reach out, um, you know, even informally, and many are also very generous with their time, um, even through things like Twitter or, you know, even via email, um, you know, people are, are, are very approachable and, and, um, and you know, very willing to work with you. However, you know, this is not to say that you should email a dozen people and ask them all to be your mentor. Um, Being a mentee is not a passive process and does require putting in the work to meet goals and be accountable as well.
0: So I know we talked a little bit about conferences or you briefly mentioned conferences before. Do you think it is worth a medical student's time to attend conferences? And if we are attending, how do we get the most out of it while we're there?
1: Oh, man. Um, So I'm totally biased, Uh, much like making drinks, um, attending conferences and networking has turned into another one of my hobbies, uh, mostly in training. Um, And I made it my goal in residency to attend as many as I could to meet people, to catch up and to foster connections. Um, I would say that it is absolutely definitely worth it to medical students for sure, Um, you know, to kind of get your name out there, to start meeting people and getting a sense of what's going on in the specialty. Um, However, this does require some forethought to really maximize your benefits. Um, I think the first thing to really figure out is to figure out what your interests are. Um, So, you know, why, you know, what draws you to the meeting? What kinds of things are you interested in? And, you know, kind of what can you learn from the meeting? Uh, The other piece is um, who can you meet at the meeting to further those interests as well? Um, So if there's someone you want to spend some extended time with, um, you consider actually reaching out to them beforehand um, and to schedule a time to actually sit down and chat as well. Um, That's something that you can do. But um, definitely a huge fan of meetings.
0: Along with meetings, I feel like we're always hearing from the residents the importance of networking. And you sort of touched on it in that answer. But as a student, what are some ways that we can network or we can work on our networking skill set?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Super important. Um, It was really weird. So after spending three years in med school um, where no one teaches you this stuff at all, um, the transition to law school really opened my eyes and really taught me a lot of the fundamentals of this stuff. Um, But, you know, in terms of keeping in context, the meetings, um, really, you kind of want to have some sense of who you want to meet and how best to accomplish this. Um, So a good way of doing it is if they're speaking at a session um, you know, you can go to the session and you know, kind of try to catch them right after it ends. Um, that's usually a pretty good time. Um, typically, having some sort of common ground to start a discussion. You know, maybe asking a question about what was presented during the session, um, and also having an elevator pitch and being able to package yourself. Um, many of these connections occur, you know, kind of in the space between sessions or during a chance encounter in a hallway. So it's very important to have, um, you know, a very well packaged and kind of polished way to present yourself. Uh, that's memorable. Um, at the same time, you know, a lot of these are, you know, very fleeting kind of encounters. So you also should know kind of when to step away and don't hold the other person captive. Um, but before you part ways, it's really important, um, to be able to follow up. Um, so great way to do that is to ask for a business card or an email address or some way to contact them after the meeting. Um, and after you get home, definitely very important to follow up, um, just to drop them a quick email you know, listen, it was uh, great to meet you at this event, really enjoy talking about X, um, and then you can kind of go from there. Uh, Most of these interactions will last only a few minutes at the most. Um, So going to more meetings and, you know, getting out there more allows more kind of small touches where you can, um, uh, you know, kind of meet the same people, uh, be more memorable from that standpoint.
0: I feel like that's really helpful. um, Just as a Quick list of things to do because I think a lot of students feel awkward in that position. So knowing that this is a very normal thing to happen at conferences and to follow up via email, things like that. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah, I know it can feel a little kind of intimidating to you know, uh, you know, kind of what you say when you approach them. But you know, if they're speaking at a session, having gone to the session, if you have a follow up question, that's a great way to break the ice. Um, or if you know what kind of work they do, you know, you can kind of chat about that briefly. Um, but you know, there's just little things that you can do to kind of just start in and just don't be afraid. People are very approachable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for all of your insight and answers to those questions. Before we head off, do you have any quick pitches about general advice to any students interested in pursuing a career in oncology?
1: Yeah, definitely. So just a couple of things. Um, so medicine is a team sport and oncology even more so. Um, So I would say it's really important to keep an open mind and try to explore different parts and specialties within oncology. Um, Even in practice, you'll work very closely with many other specialties and disciplines and learning how to speak their language uh, will be very helpful to optimize communication and and kind of care um, as you go through your career. Um, Along those lines, don't burn bridges. Uh, You never know when or under what circumstances you'll cross paths with someone. Um, This is a very small world and radiation oncology specifically is also even smaller. Um, And just because you chose a different specialty or a different institution does not mean that you won't need someone's help in the future. And the last piece uh, I would say is um, really uh, invest in other people and pay it forward. Um, I would not have been able to accomplish really anything uh, without the groundwork and support of all my mentors. Um, And so take what they've invested in you and uh, kind of invest in the next generation. Um, I think is, is really the most important thing.
0: Well, thank you so much for talking to us today. I think your advice will help a lot of students. So thank you so much for your time.